Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Friends, our second reading of scripture this morning comes to us from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 uh, to chapter 4, verse 5, which you can find, once again, in your pew uh, Bible or in the insert or on the screen. So you have multiple ways in which you can follow along with our scripture reading. So let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And in view of appearing in his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but have itching ears." They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. There's something that's that I haven't been able to get out of my head recently. Not since I've really come back from Scotland. And it's one of those thoughts, you know, where it pops into your head and it just keeps coming back over and over again. And what keeps coming back to me is this saying, this quote that's engraved on the side of a two-pound coin um, that I actually want to... Don't tell them I brought a coin back with me, you know, so... (laughs) But it's this quote from Isaac Newton written on the side of a two-pound coin. And this quote comes from a letter Newton wrote to one of his rivals, his academic rivals, Robert Hooke. And he says this, that if I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Standing on the shoulders of giants. It's a lovely metaphor, I think. A metaphor which we interpret as being one that the one who is seeking knowledge, understanding, seeking truth, is able to do so because there are many people who have come before them. It's thanks to the work of academics, philosophers, and thinkers who made their own work possible, made their own achievements possible. It's a reminder for us this day as we remember that these works are not done by ourselves, that our perception of truth as well and our quest for knowledge 
does not happen inside a vacuum. And our desire to lay a firm foundation relies very heavily on what ground we choose to prepare that foundation on. Prepared by those who helped lay that ground for the essential truths that govern our world. But it would appear, however, that even in the midst of having truth, there are people in this world, including us, who are still starving for a good word of truth. Perhaps it's better to say that people are looking for something sure, they're looking for something steadfast in the midst of changing climates, in the midst of unsifting sands, whether it be geopolitically or even at home or in our communities or in our church, in the midst of all this change, people, it's their natural desire to look for something that is steadfast. But as they look for something steadfast, including ourselves, we'll discover that there's no consensus on what that steadfast truth is. For example, one day you might have an economist that says there's going to be a recession, while on another day, someone, another uh, economist might say, everything's looking good. Another day, a popular diet in a magazine will state that its practices are best, while that same magazine the day later might say, oh, no, it's actually really bad for you. Today, we look at the preservation of truth, this great end that we look at today. And while there is much in this world that is uncertain, there is also much that is sure. There is one thing that we can count on, which is the word of God. In our reading for today, Paul states in his letter to Timothy that there are three ways believers can tap into this truth, to hold on to it, to preserve it, to grow in it. He lays out to Timothy that it is important for people to understand the authority of Scripture, that it is important to understand the active role Scripture plays in our lives. And he says it is important for us to understand the practice, the practical application of Scripture in our daily lives. These are some of the things Timothy lays out. But in this first point, Paul talks to Timothy about authority. Whose authority are we even talking about? Well, it may seem like people from all walks of life have been rest, well, people throughout time from all different walks of life have wrestled with questions regarding truth, especially over the last few years. It's a crisis that has existed throughout time and space, a crisis that has transcended any kind of boundaries or borders we try to erect. Take, for example, the fact that this mystery of trying to understand the truth and by whose authority it comes from dates back to even as far as the ancient Greeks. Philosophers such as Plato, who gave us the lovely allegory of the caves, in which Plato tells this story of prisoners who are kept inside this cave, and they're forced to look at a wall that has these shadowy images moving across it. And one day, one of them is able to make it out, and there they escape outside to the sun above. 
Finally, understanding the truth, they try and come back, make their way into the cave, only to discover that the remaining prisoners refuse to leave. They don't believe that there is something better or something different outside. In many ways, we might say that's a similar role the prophets played, (laughs) trying to speak to the people of God and speak to us today. Because in many ways, we are like the prisoners. We know only the truths we have created for ourselves in this postmodern world we live in. We create bubbles that amplify the voices and opinions we want to hear. Something I myself am guilty of. But today, in this great end of the church, we are reminded of the one who speaks truth that comes from the word of God. A word of truth that comes from the prophets. A word of truth that comes from the disciples, including us today, who carry on in that same mission. Now, I think there's something about the authority of Scripture here that we have to go back to another portion of to really get a deeper appreciation of. The authority of God, or the authority of the Word of God that Paul is talking about It is the type of authority, the type of truth that transcends anything we might hold on to. And I think we find that in the story of Jesus being tempted by the tempter. Try saying that a few times fast. In the desert. Now, if you are familiar with the story as it comes from Matthew 4 and some other pieces of scripture, Jesus is tempted by the tempter to turn stones into bread. Do you remember what Jesus says? I, you don't have to say it. But Jesus doesn't say, well, according to the latest studies, bread isn't really that healthy. Jesus doesn't say, well, that goes against what I stand for and what my, my group of people say. Turning bread into stone is a crime. Jesus doesn't go down that route. Instead, Jesus tells the tempter, As it says, as it is written, man does not live by bread alone. Jesus turns to the word of God for answers, for truth. The word of God is inspired, God-breathed, written, yes, by human hands in different times, in different places, in different cultures, but all the same, it is god breathed. In our world where we are very fast to turn to X, Y, or Z for truth, for authority, we remember here today that we have that steadfast word, that steadfast word of God that continues to speak truth and new truths to our hearts that are yearning. That is by whose authority we find truth. As we understand this truth as it comes to us from the word of God, we are reminded about the ways in which scripture plays a role in our lives. And Paul highlights five roles in Second Timothy, the passage for today. He reminds us that scripture, that the role of scripture, the role that truth plays in our lives, comes in the form of salvation, 
It is a tool that is used for teaching. It is a a tool used for reproof, correction, and it is also used for training. I think those are five good things that any truth would provide. But the thing about these five roles, these five activities of Scripture, the five five activities of the truth of God, the thing that that's key to them is that it assumes we are hungry for them, that we are hungry for this good word, for this good truth, that we are willing to commit ourselves to training, to commit ourselves to discipline when necessary in order to follow the life way of God. For whether we are mature in our faith or just starting out, it is our responsibility to seek counsel, to seek wisdom, to seek comfort from the word of God. There are a lot of things in this world that will tell us what we need to do. And some of them are great things. Some of them are really important things that perhaps fall into that general revelation that comes from God, those absolute moral goods. But for those times when we find that whatever it is we're clinging to tries to say, you need to do this in order to live in the truth, and that thing isn't actually life-giving, or it's harmful or hurtful to someone else, we have that well that we can turn to, that place we can turn to in Scripture if we are committed to becoming wise and to allow Scripture to teach us, to correct us, and train us so that we might be the hands and the feet of God. For us to be co-laborers with God. In many ways, the role Scripture plays in our lives um, is like that of, I, I think a, a great example of that, is one of a, a GPS, and one that many of us have on our phones now. And I need it, believe me. I get lost very often. <laughs> and I'm sure in many ways we can view Scripture, the truths that we find in the Gospel, as almost being like a GPS. It gives us that nudge when we go off the path that we are not supposed to be going to. It says, redirecting. (laughs) You need to make a turn. What I think is beautiful about that also is it still tries to get you to your destination. It doesn't say, well, you made too many wrong turns. I'm just going to give up and have fun. Because if we are committed, we will keep trying to live in that life-giving truth of God. You know, while we talk about preserving the truth and we talk about the role that it plays in our lives as we hear it in the words that come from Paul, we understand, though, of course, that talking about truth is not enough. Talking about truth, studying truth, trying to understand it, that is not enough. As Presbyterians, we're very good at talking. We're very good at 
doing studies. We do a lot of commissioning for studies and papers. We like to have documents upon documents. But the reality is that talk is not enough. It is not enough to study scripture. It is not enough to know what it says. We must live out the truth we read, the truth we study, the truth we seek to understand. And we need to flesh them out to see how it plays out in our daily lives. We need just as much heart, you might say, as we do head knowledge. Paul even tells this to Timothy when he says that spending time in Scripture, spending time in God's truth, is a means to prepare us so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. It's not everyone is good and equipped so that they can just study more. No, it's you're equipped so you can do what you need to do. If we read our Bibles, or if we say we read our Bibles, we would hear God's voice, hear God's truth. We would hear God's charge to be stewards, stewards of one another, stewards of our faith, stewards of this wonderfully and beautifully made earth. We would hear God's truth speaking to us through the prophets, through the modern-day prophets, such as Amos and Isaiah, who remind us of the care that we must show for the stranger for the alien, for the foreigner, for the widows, and for the orphans. And we would hear the truth of God that reminds us that God has such a great love for all people, for all creation, for us. We can read these truths in our scripture. We can study them. We can try to prepare ourselves to be more knowledgeable, which is good. But it doesn't mean much if we don't put it into practice. You know, one of the things that is interesting for us as we hear and reflect on the words of Paul and what it looks like for truth, the truth of God to take a hold in our lives is again, this is something that we have tried to understand throughout time and space. It's a theme that's come up as well in Western and Eastern philosophies and in Eastern and Western religions. In the West, for example, when we tend to talk about truth or understanding truth, we frame it often in that kind of moral sphere. And what I find interesting about that is it often leads to this understanding of emptiness. Emptiness as almost this thing that is a deficit. In the West, we often tend to think of emptiness as something we associate with addiction or loss, with lots of negative emotions. In the East, on the other hand, we understand emptiness, or they understand emptiness, as something that is more of a critical component to spiritual enlightenment, one where we cast off earthly attachments in our pursuits of spiritual truth. But what if in our understanding of emptiness, in our pursuit of truth, 
we found that there was somewhere in between. What if emptiness was not a negative trait? And what if emptiness was not the end goal of our spiritual journey of truth-seeking? Because for us, we might understand in light of what Paul is saying to us today, that in that void and the places that we empty out, there's room for something else to take hold. There's room, we make room, for something better. We make room for the light and life of God's truth. Friends, how many of us have Bibles just sitting on our shelves with dust collecting on them? How many of us are quick to turn to what our favorite social media influencer, magazine doctor, politician, teacher, you fill in the rest? How many of us are quick to turn to them to hear what they say about a particular topic, but fail to consider what is written in the Word of God? Perhaps we should take this as a challenge in our quest to preserve truth by picking up the Word of God and reading it, spending time with it, and asking ourselves if we will allow the Word of God to inform us and guide us, not just in our spiritual journey, but in our daily lives as well. If so, friends, we open ourselves to be vessels of God's grace, ready to carry out every good work God has planned. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.